Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hunting Public Podcast, powered by Dakota Lithium. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with my dad, who just recently moved to Colorado as well, about some of the challenges of hunting a new area. That was the original topic, and then that conversation kind of led to how hunting is really all about the little things. Through our experiences, at least, hunting is still hunting no matter where you're at. Those little things are really the most important things that you learn as you get more experience, and they're going to help you no matter where you go. So this podcast kind of has a combination of topics, one of which is hunting in a new area, and the other is some of the little things that we've learned while hunting new areas. Before we get into the podcast, I wanted to remind you guys that we have partnered with the social media platform Go Wild. Go Wild was built by hunters and anglers just like you to help combat mainstream social media's censorship. Go Wild's a free social community where not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn points, you can unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts, and... If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Along with those $10 that you get for signing up, you can also use the code THP at checkout on the Go Wild store to help save you 10% on your order. All you got to do is visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Let's talk with Doug. First video podcast. Yeah, today's the first video. I think maybe my third podcast. Two, yeah. o- three audios. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, I'm gonna be a superstar now, not just a star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get like three thousand people watching. It. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I think it's kind of funny that you start something like this, and you're like so used to seeing. Uh, people watching the hunting videos and you start a new podcast or even listening to the audio mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like oh nobody's interested so hopefully people watch this hopefully you guys are liking these because we're uh we're trying yep well you get better and better yeah so today dad and i are just going to talk about uh hunting in a new area a new state because it's something that I do it all the time just traveling but right you've actually moved to a different state so have i but uh, just feel like that's something that could be relatable to a lot of other people. I mean, we've met plenty of people here that are right. transplants as well. well so. Almost everybody I've met in the woods was not originally from Colorado. Yeah. I mean, I, I met quite a few people out there, and I did. I mean, I have met some from Colorado and some not, but yeah, mostly, least, yeah, mostly not. Yeah, they just even, moved here. Even when, uh, I'm talking to people in Iowa. There's still a percentage of people that move there because you know, no Wisconsin, man. No matter where I go, yeah, there's a Wisconsin <laughs> always. Yeah, that's I, got, a, I went uh, at a deer tag in Western Colorado and over the counter, or it was a, it was a uh, well, yeah, it doesn't matter. But I go in and go to. I thought, man, I'm going to go where nobody's going, and I get there at real early in the morning, and there's one other car there and Wisconsin plate. <laughs> Those Wisconsin I talk to folks, them. <laughs> they like to travel, which is which is obviously nothing wrong with that. It's I think it's cool. It's just the joke that we always yeah. make. It's like if you're going somewhere, it's gonna be Wisconsin. <laughs> which is cool. So yep. you know. Go follow chase your dreams. Well they're also in the middle of this country, sorta. Of, so yeah. It's easy does, to go it, both directions. Yeah, it really yeah. does. So what do you feel like have been some of the things that have been like challenges for you as far as being in a whole different area. I mean, there's obviously always going to be 
some similarities because it's hunting. And I think that's right. one thing that I always like to talk about is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the species is, you're hunting and a lot of the same tactics and skill set applies. Absolutely. But what do you feel like some things that have been surprising to you are moving right. to a new state? Uh, I think the two, I was thinking about that on the way over here and really the two things are, I guess, scale. Mm-hmm. Scale of Colorado is definitely different than the scale of Ohio. I mean, when we were hunting Ohio, a lot of farm land in western Ohio, not big lots. Then we'd go, quote, to the, our, our, the hills. The hills, and we'd go down to southern Ohio and hunt. And we felt like we we're in big country, and eventually it became small to us. Mm-hmm. As you get, you know, the more you go, it becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. You first get there, and you think, wow, this is amazing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and eventually it's become small. But, um, Scale and I guess the one thing I really find different is Ohio's length of season and the bow season in Ohio is four months long. I mean, be, and all of October, November, December, and January. My birthday is January 31st, and for years it ended on January 31st. Now it's even a few days after that, a few days before uh, October. Uh-huh. So I guess that being that everywhere in Ohio, there's tons of whitetails. I don't yep. care. Anywhere that you can hunt whitetail anywhere. I mean, they're just, even if it's very sparse woods or land, there's still whitetail. So I could hunt a lot. I could hunt for two hours. I could pop out and say, I'm just going out for the last hour. I mean, yeah. we, we would do it. I mean, it's like, I, I got an hour. I'm just going to go hunt. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so that's those two things, the scale of the land, looking at maps, and just not having a tag that you can just hunt for so long mm-hmm. and just... I mean, I'm older, I've hunted, everybody wants to get something, but a lot of times it's just about, for me, how many times I could go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're working, I think people can relate to this, A lot, most of us work, and, you know, you get an afternoon off early or something and you just get to go for three hours, it's enjoyable, it's relaxing, it's a way to unwind, and I miss that. It feels like it's more of a time commitment because it is bigger scale, too. It is bigger scale. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's nowhere in Colorado you can't go out and hunt for an hour. Right. But But it's much more limited. Right. First of all, we don't have a lot of whitetail tags, Mm -hmm. so really hardly any. And then you're going to be really limited. Then you really got to drive there. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Number two is you'll get a lot of mule deer tags. You get it for a unit, so you got to commit to getting there. And then... um, even when you get there, it's big scale. You're looking at a map. And when I first got here, the first thing I did was I got a uh, a white tail tag because was, I was non-resident still. I had to get a, I had to get a tag. I had to hunt, and I uh, went in and did a Western Plains tag. And I was driving like three and a half hours after work just to get to where I was going to hunt. And I'd stay in a tent and hunt. And uh, now it wasn't mountainous, so that scale was. Not that was more like what I was used to, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, scale of like getting there was definitely different. Mm-hmm. But when I started hunting the mountains, turkey season the next year, that's when I realized, you know, I'd go after a turkey, I'd hear a turkey on top, and I'd be like, oh, it's straight down there, and I'd go and go down and then go down and go down, and then pretty soon I was, track like, of him. I was like, where to go? How could this turkey not? How can I not hear this turkey? And we've you've taught me, or I've discovered that. You know, from, I don't know, let's say 8,500 feet down to 7,800 feet and on a bench. Well, sometimes you can't hear them. Yeah. And, you, and you go back up and you can hear them or you keep going down and you have to find them. Mm-hmm. So those things are 
definitely different. And just using Onyx a lot, the scale, it, it takes you a while to realize what the scale is. Mm -hmm. And even, even now when we go from one spot to the next, you know, you're hunting one area all day and you drive and you go somewhere else. You think, oh, I got this down. And then you go down. Just like when we stopped and saw those four birds coming back mm -hmm. this weekend. And uh, it seemed like, well, well it's well, just going to pop right over there. pop right over that little, that, over this mountain and just, just, I guess, whatever it is, foothill. And those turkeys are right there. Mm -hmm. Popped over and you look down you're like, no, that's, that's definitely a bigger scale. Yeah. And it wasn't terrible, but it was much more than my mind had prepared for yeah even that day there's a couple of things that come to mind when you bring up the scale and just how it changes for you over time so when i was first in college and i was with brad mm -hmm. and we were i think late season deer hunting and we checked out this new area and it was way bigger scale than anything i'd ever hunted right. and i can still remember looking into the timber and it was one of those gloomy overcast days and late season like right. that you just have that really gray forest and i remember looking at the woods and that was before i had a smartphone too sure and just thinking that direction it's endless right it truly is endless right. and as i got more experience i realized that where i was standing that day wasn't right endless it really isn't even that far no, in the grand right. scheme of it but for me at the time because i grew up in more farm country right. stuff. Definitely hunted more hills um, in well, certain areas, but at that time, that was the biggest scale place that I had really been, I guess, on our own too. You know, sure. Brad and I being, you know, just out of college, and I think we were freshmen in college, and yeah, that was surprising. And over time, that changes. Right. And then uh, another thing that um, pops into my mind as far as scale is every place is very different Oh yeah. because you can start to learn things here, for example. But the one that really threw me off, and I guess I don't necessarily want to make this completely about one place or another necessarily, but New York threw me off. Yeah, I and I mean, it took me a couple of tries to it realize how big it was, big in, in what it was that I was struggling with. I couldn't understand what exactly I was struggling with. When I would look at the map and I would see a terrain feature, for example, I didn't even totally understand what a high point was or what a bench was. Right. It was so different scale than anything I'd ever looked at. For example, you could be here, you could be in Ohio, you could be in Kentucky, Virginia, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of places that are very similar. There's very tight ridges right and your main ridges have fingers off of them but sure. everything's really tight oh yeah so the struggle there is is right. being able to hear into specific spots for example well, if you're turkey hunting mine was even more basic than that like even that tightness you were talking about or the spread out i would get into a like i remember going to the mountains the first turkey hunt and i'm hearing a turkey right i mean real and i'm like oh all i have to do is just just go down and run over there and it was, it Took was just, two it's just like this, oh, wait a minute. This is, this is two hour or whatever. It's going to take me, this scale is half or three quarters of a mile, but also down 500 feet and up 500 mm -hmm. feet and steep. Yeah. And that's that. And I, you know, you were talking about the first time you remember, I remember the first time I remember hunting somewhere where the scale was, I was West Virginia. Mm -hmm. I went, I was probably in college with, I went with Mike Rager and some guys and 
we drive all the way down and uh, we get there. It's the day before season. I remember this. We didn't have smartphones. All we had to do was get maps and go down to the local outdoor store buy local topo maps. Mm -hmm. This is when I realized scale like different. And we head in. And this is the, I mean, it sounds so crazy now, but this is a little, I think it was like a 14 by 14 mile map. And it seemed, you know, okay, let's, now we got the map. So we walk and we walk and we start down this trail and, and uh, just just walked and walked and walked and walked. And I know I've told you this before, but we're like, okay, we finally, after we're walking, let's say an hour and a half, two hours, we're like, where are we on the map? Oh, we're like, you know, we're like probably, and we're trying to look at the mountains. We didn't even look at the map until this point. We never even got it out. And we're looking and we're looking and we're like, I don't know. And then we are like, oh yeah, we're right here. So we walk some more and we walk some more and we come to a trail marker. We're like, oh, a trail. So we're looking, starting on the map where we thought we were, and we couldn't find the trail. Here, the here, the here, we were that far on the map, yeah. and we were like, "Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. And we were so freaked out. We went and bought air horns, and uh, what else? Do we, I mean, we we got. I think we had compasses already, or we went and bought compasses because we're like, okay, like if we get lost. We got to be able to communicate to other. We had no, you know, there was no way. We might have had cell phones, but they weren't smartphones, mm -hmm. and uh, we could had no cell signal. I don't know. You'd have had cell phones back. Probably then. not. Probably no. We did not. Definitely I did not. Now that you, now that you started, been, now that you said, that have been like what? Yeah, late eighties, early nineties, probably. Probably around ninety. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't. Uh, but that's the first time I. That now going back to the scale. I've said this to you. Onyx has made me very brave. Oh yeah, you know I'm. I go all the time now by myself. I mean I'm just head in six miles, seven miles, yeah. ten miles, and come back in the dark. I'm I'm five miles from the truck in the dark. I'm mm -hmm. totally comfortable mm -hmm. uh, by myself because I can always look down and say, Oh yeah, I'm headed the right direction. I'm yeah. never I'm never uh, lost track of where I'm at, and you know. It's it's just comforting, and once you do it, it, like everything else, it gets easier. Yeah, one thing that uh, Ben brought up to me a long time ago was um, just actually looking at the scale of the topo lines. Sure. For example, you can look at a place that has twenty foot topo lines. Mm -hmm. And it looks like the terrain's pretty aggressive. You right. get there, and it's not that aggressive. Right. Another place you get there, and there, yes. You know, there's more space between the topo lines. So making sure you're reading into that will help that learning curve a little bit. But it definitely will always take a little bit of putting boots on the ground in a new area and trying to understand. Well, it forces you to understand what those topo lines mean, and it forces you to understand. Look at the scale reader or whatever's on there mm -hmm. i was doing it this weekend mm -hmm. it's like i was looking at an area we were at and it was i think we were kind of flat and tall flat for colorado on the top mm -hmm. and so when we remember we drove down and we found i found that little device <laughs> i was looking at the map just to see like okay what does this really mean because we were in a really steep area then mm -hmm. and it forced me to study the topo mm -hmm. whatever you know you did it you studied it in college so i didn't i just did it like like I, w I went from Ohio looking at a map on my phone, thinking, get here, thinking it's the same. Oh, I could be over there in five minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's not. You get, I was like, oh, I'm not really looking at the scale. Yeah, and I learned about it in college, but then I also had to also relearn it a little sure. bit as well. well 
every time you go practice or practice what do you call it you can look at that on a map all day but practically doing it or whatever they call Mm -hmm. that is oh yeah now i see what now i put it together but yeah and i was talking about new york and i think the thing that still is a little bit hard to understand there is just that it's massively stretched out Mm -hmm. so for example you could be on a piece of public land that's actually a pretty big piece but it's all just on the side of a hill right it's not actually encompassing the entire terrain feature Mm -hmm. it's just let's just say you have this hill like this the piece of public might just be a section on that and that's very different than a lot of other places that i've hunted but as you get into that area that's more common as the terrain lays. and we so. ran into that even here with last weekend i mean that last piece we stopped at was like that mm-hmm. you know you're, you're kind of looking out there thinking well this is all but really it was just this i mean just this ridge and down it yeah. wasn't down and up and you know what we were looking at was not the same yeah yeah well you you make something up in your head and then right. you look at it on the map and it's like well that's not right or even all. the fence line did stay mm-hmm. on the pro you know stay off the private was just you're just looking at it thinking oh it's this way and you get there and it's like no it's down and (laughs) down and left and yeah there's more to the this is another thing that we always talk about is there's more to the hill than what you think oh yeah they're just a lot of times is more subtle feature within that than what you're even looking at there was a lot of huntable land in that piece of property and the reason we know that we went down after the turkeys basically made a 360 around i don't know just guessing what do you think 400 acres I don't know. It's just hard to say. Yeah. But, and we come back and there's how many? Eight giant mule deer. Like, <laughs> right? We circled them. So they were hiding. I mean, we went around them. Mm-hmm. They, I'm sure they, well, at some point they might have heard or saw us. Yeah. And I think another thing that I was going to bring up too is when you're hunting a big scale terrain feature, whether that's the big mountains of the Rockies or, the Appalachians or just some hill, you know, in Missouri or something. It's all relative. Compared it's all to the relative rest, yeah, to right. what you're used to. Mm-hmm. I think that unless you really cover a lot of ground, and this is one of the reasons that we stress that so much when we talk about going to a new area, sometimes you think you're covering it all. Or, for example, you're walking a bench and you think, well, I can pretty much see the top and I can pretty much see the bottom. Mm-hmm. But maybe you cut back and do a switchback of some sort and then you're like wait i never really could see the top and right. i still am a long way from the top so and even elk hunting when we're moving through a terrain feature it may seem like we're calling to the whole bench yeah. but then we make that loop back through and i know that happened our first year right when we, that first year we hunted um i was with cody and ted and wes mm-hmm. from the born and raised guys and the one thing that I definitely learned that season was you may think you're covering it all, but oh, yeah. you're not even close. Coming even close. if you're standing there in dead calm, blasting a bugle, you might go through the first time and not even hear it. All right. And the second time you may close enough, be close enough yeah. that you guys can hear each other. And well, I think I, that's it, a big part of it. When for I me. first went with you and Ben and Colin and we went elk hunting, it was, I, I always tell people for me, it was the epic, you know, craziness, but we went in. <laughs> I don't know how many miles, but we just literally marched in six miles. Then we started hunting and then we just, I don't know what all we did, but we ran into a few hunters. But what we realized was it's just so big in there that Mm -hmm. we could be hunting a completely different 
elk. I mean, we kind of assume that we're all hunting the same elk, but I don't, I mean, there's so many little terrain features in there and it, it's. Nooks and crannies that they can, that animals can hide in. Right. I think when you get in hills, whether you're dealing with whitetails or turkeys or mule deer or elk, whatever it may be, the more terrain you have, especially if it's not visible. Oh, it's, it's awesome. You can yeah. just. Oh, I mean, example of that when I used to, I mean, work when I worked at the two hunting preserves mm-hmm. and the one had all the, I always talked about it, it was the perfect whitetail because it was 250 acres, but there were, you know, clarify I clarify what the hell a hunting preserve. Well, is. a hunting preserve was just a guy that I worked for with my father in law now, uh, just a, the guy had a bird hunting place. He had a, so it wasn't a, presi- a preserve. Like preserve. No, no. Is a bad, like it's a bad, they call it, we call it the hunting preserve, but basically what it was, it was just a free farm, range, free range farm. We put out, uh, we put out pheasant, a cover quail cover chucker cover then we released the birds and then the guy would come and bird hunt so that's what it was that's and then that's they had a special permit preserve, yeah right? they had a a permit by the state to hunt six months a year for birds mm-hmm. so i mean yeah we called it a preserve mm-hmm. but uh but free range white tail and turkey yeah free range right tail and turkey i mean it was just right in the middle of everybody else's farm yeah but anyhow they had that particular one had 250 acres but it had the most amazing whitetail hunting what i mean by is you could got you could you could take five people in there and bow hunt. hunted bigger than what it was it hunted way bigger because of all the little contours you were talking mm-hmm. about where the other one had bigger hills but less contours mm-hmm. you know more more of that new york yep. type of feel where it's maybe just slapped onto the side of a terrain feature versus encompassing the whole terrain feature right i right. think that's a big part of when I'm looking at a piece of land, especially for turkey, I like to be at the top. So if a piece doesn't encompass an entire hill, right. then it's sometimes frustrating because you want to be limited. Because the animals will still act the same even when that scale is blown up. Too. Right. Oh, yeah. We've, we've definitely saw that. You've, you've taught me that. I mean, as far as turkey hunting. I mean, I've learned a lot from turkey hunting from you. I, I taught you stuff about turkey hunting, but it was more the calling, the the I don't know the basic stuff, mm-hmm. but the going to the elevation part of it and getting to the high points and then figuring things out from there it definitely makes a huge difference mm-hmm. on knowing. You know, you just encompass more, you hear more, you you're covering more ground, and uh, without even moving. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it goes the same for deer and elk too. Sure, because what I think is uh, one of the hardest things to learn is you pick. All right, let me backtrack a smidge. A lot of what I learned about whitetail bedding, for example, was in Iowa. Sure. Where, generally speaking, your Iowa hills are kind of piddly. They're yeah, kind they're of just rolling. rolling. Yeah. And a lot of things start out flat on top, and then they drop down. Mm-hmm. But then, as I've started hunting in different areas and bigger um, timber, bigger hills, bigger mountains, I've started to learn that the same terrain features are where the animals are going to spend their time right even if it's just way blown up so for example if i see a finger ridge coming off the main ridge and it flattens out right before it starts to drop to the bottom again whether that's in the rockies or the biggest scale appalachian hills i've hunted in or uh, up in you know the northeast that's still a place that i want to check out even if it's a lot further from that to the next bed or right. potential bedding location where where I learned bedding in Iowa, it was like, 
well, there's one here, and then, you know, you go 100 yards, and there's another one here, and then you go 200 yards, and there's another one here, where when it's bigger scale, that might be one here, and then a thousand yards to the next right. one. Right. And, and again, all that's the difference is the scale, but the hunting's pretty much the same. Yeah. And it doesn't matter whether you it's turkey. You just have to get or, there. You just have to get there. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's it's hunting is hunting. And, 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 I mean, you and I talk about it all the time. Turkeys are turkeys, whether the scale's big or lo- small, but they're harder to find in Colorado because it's bigger. They're harder to find in places, yeah, where there's a lot of terrain. Right. Same thing there's, with a deer. Exactly. You know. Right. So it's like. But when you're hunting, I, you know, I haven't done a much deer hunting here yet because of the tag, you know, mm-hmm. the way the tags work. But, I mean, I've seen them and I'm now figuring it out. Like, yeah, they're in the same spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, elk, we're definitely in the same spots. And, yeah. I think when I look back at the beginning of my entry to elk hunting and even when I was like scouting, you know, before I even actually did it, mm-hmm. I realized that that's the biggest limiting factor to finding elk is I just was not looking at it big enough scale. Sure. I was right. like, well, this is, this checks the boxes. Right. So my assumption then is, is that there's a lot of other people that are from, you know, the East that think the same thing. Sure. Where well, this is where we're gonna go, and well, you, this, you, this checks the boxes because it's got water and it's got north facing. Right, but that might only be one little snippet of the whole mountain. Right, where it's like, okay, maybe you check that on the way up, but just keep, keep going. going, you know. And, <laughs> and therefore, and, and not to say that you have to go to the top. I think that's another thing too, where it's kind of it's kind of funny because I feel like you can kind of watch the trends, you can kind of watch the things that get advertised like i mentioned the north facing hillside mm. the water the um, high elevation you got to be up high mm. <laughs> but when everybody starts to do that same thing then that moves things around so therefore to me it's a matter of picking routes that hit point a maybe a potential location right. point b might be a potential and you're not locked in on any yeah. of them you're just going and the same thing goes again when you scale that back down to uh, Eastern 250 timber deer, yeah. Hunt, yeah. deer hunt where your hills maybe are only changing in elevation a few hundred feet let's say it's still the same deal though where you kind of have to check those different elevations right i right. think that's a big part of what i've learned in the last really five years i would say because i'm so i was so used to hunting pretty gradual mm-hmm. relatively open farm country right where all of a sudden it's just you get into a solid stand of timber and there's yeah and you have to really cover ground you have to really find um the specific thing that has drawn them to an area and okay let's just use another whitetail example there was one season when we were hunting in the timber and we were finding Actually, both in Ohio and in Georgia, on south-facing slopes, about midway down, we were finding tons of scarlet oak acorns. Mm. The neck, and and that was kind of elevation related, related, mm-hmm. and in multiple states, we were finding very fresh feeding sign under those trees. But then, the next couple of years after that. That wasn't the same sure. situation. So to find the deer, we had to start covering different elevations again. And I, I got kind of caught up in 2021, um, the year after that big acorn crop, 
in focusing on the same areas and I realized that I just tiptoed around too much where I should have been in there. covering more ground and just trying to find something fresh that was sure. a trend or a, a yeah. oh something something happened this year talking about the sign or the uh, I don't know you know I've always like if I had cold weather snow I never really wanted to turkey hunt mm -hmm. because in Ohio I'm probably on my own what do I want to say the times we've had those weather we didn't have any luck at all mm -hmm. and uh so it was two weekends ago I went out and we always look for turkey tracks, right? And I'm having trouble finding turkey tracks because it's dry and it's rocky and there's not mud to see them in, mm -hmm. right? And um, so we had, I got, I drove up, what, up higher elevation went turkey hunting and I uh, get up there and there was snow on the ground. I was like, wow, oh, this stinks. Well, it turns out it was awesome because I was really hadn't i didn't hear any turkeys i didn't really see that many turkeys at first you know i didn't at first i wasn't hearing them and i start walking and making some ground and and then i heard one and i went after that one and i didn't couldn't i couldn't get in on it and it was too far away and it moved off but i kept walking and kept doing and kept doing things and checking things out and i could tell it was getting better and then i got to a snow-covered top and it was covered in fresh tom tracks and turkey tracks mm -hmm. and it's like okay uh, so making it taking advantage of the conditions you always talk about it that was a perfect example of when it's perfect conditions there wouldn't have been any snow for them mm -hmm. you know that crisp cold blue sky morning when they're really gobbling you just know when they're going to do it even though the conditions weren't perfect that morning that morning it did make me stay there and keep really hunting and not just like busting through mm -hmm. and keep going and it ended up working out that i did call tom in uh didn't get a shot but came in behind me and I couldn't tell if it was a Jake or a Tom, but I'm pretty sure it was a Tom, and I didn't shoot it. And it worked out pretty good because we got one the next weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, which on the main channel, that's coming sometime soon. We're going to give you a little bonus turkey <laughs> episode because uh, – yeah. I shot my first Miriam. Yeah, and yeah. I got out a little bit. You know, Yeah, so. he actually got out with his leg, and it was a great day. And uh, it was uh, – then the day before, didn't we didn't think it was going to be. It was just pouring, and we had a pot. I mean, I don't want to blow the whole. You can, I don't know what you're going to put in there, but we even had a day where we were driving because driving in the afternoon because it was raining so hard. And we went down. If you've driven these back, what do you call them? That what kind of mountain yeah, roads just, or mountain yeah. service roads? Yeah. And you're driving along, and I get out. He gets out. We're moving boulders off the road <laughs> until we got to about a five foot round boulder. Yeah. Uh, that ruined. That kind of cut our trip off. Yeah, it was about the size of a truck door. So <laughs> yeah, we we're like, well, it's time to be done. I guess. Yeah, we better get out of here. So then we had to do that sketchy backup, which uh, yeah, we we regretted not filming any of that. Yeah, we we were like, why didn't we film? We this? didn't film any of it because we were really considering uh the whole weekend to bust honestly yeah. and then we found a good place I yeah mean, and then that afternoon it got nice didn't hear anything that night but we knew we were we just kind of felt like this is it i mean yeah. you were you're you went from like ah oh, this to okay i'm pumped this yeah. is it yeah mm -hmm. yeah what did you say i didn't think i was going to get you to go be able to go to sleep like yeah it was like i don't know 10 by the time we set up camp and set the truck up and it's like 10 and he's still going and going and going and going. He's like, I'm like, oh no, like I got to get some sleep because we're getting up at four. And I'm know? just all fired up. He's all fired just... up just because of the feel yeah. of the, 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 I mean, it was just different. We, yeah. I, we, I, we had people... like kind of found a little edge of a burn, which we didn't ultimately even end up hearing a turkey there, but you could tell everything was green and it just, yeah, there was something about it. You Grass, could tell that... it just had more diverse, diverse yeah. than anything we'd been hunting. Cause for. we had been seeing a lot of just, dry 
uh, or really dry or really um, just one plant type, essentially, right. just one type of pine, which is fine, but as we always talk about, it's just usually better or higher densities of critters when you can find some diversity. And I think that to kind of circle back to what you said about finding sign, I think that's another yeah. unique thing of hunting in the East versus the West. Oh, You've yeah. got an obviously super arid climate. So judging fresh sign. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it's smoking hot, yeah, it's awesome. It's smoking hot, or it's a little, if like I said, s- s- snow. I mean, it right. makes everything easy. But most of the time, it's not. Where you get three hundred days of sunshine, and yeah. and uh, it it takes a while to figure it out. I mean, um, I mean, even this spring, I I was hunting an area that I've been hunting before, turkey, and I know there's turkeys in there. Just, I mean, didn't hear any gobbles, didn't see any sign. Then I went up on a terrible day, like I mean, it was like. I bet it was 10 degree wind chill factor and five, four or five inches of fresh snow. Terrible day, but it was clear. It was clear. It was a terribly cold day. I mean, for hunting turkey, it's not what you dream of, right? Mm-hmm. But I get up there and there is turkey's tracks everywhere yep. in scratchings and, and fresh tracks. And you could see where they'd been strutting and rubbing their fat. You know, that just like confirms like, oh, this is it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I set up and called couldn't get anything to gobble i mean i'm sure that had to do with the weather but i i i know it just made a good uh feeling of like okay this is this is they're definitely here mm-hmm. you know it's just it, but before that it, if you're walking up through there it's just dry hard to see if you find a low spot with on a trail or something or a, one of those service roads you can look for tracks yeah looking for a track catcher as i call them you look for something that gives you a better judgment of how fresh it is but you know, one of the things that it makes you wonder about a little bit too is you can also judge that the wrong way. Sure. Back east, where you can find some droppings, whatever you you know, step on it, and it's like, eh, that's, that's pretty. Fresh. That's pretty fresh. But then <laughs> yeah. you know, it could have so just more. got rained on, or it could have just been dew. Well, or I mean, east, that is. I mean, it's obvious that. There's so much more moisture in Ohio. I mean, you hunt, I've hunted Ohio since I'm 57. I hunted, I mean, well, whatever, 50 years, 50, at least 45 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, the tracks, you just find the sign so much easier. You know, the rubs on the trees, because of the moisture, are you can tell if they're fresh better. We're here, even if they're pretty fresh, they look dry sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you got 19% humidity. I suppose if they make a rub, an elk or a deer, they dry out. It looks just like that. I mean, I, I dropped my, I was telling him or Zach that I have a slate call and then a T, THP glass call. And I dropped my slate call and it was in the moist grass this weekend. And I'm like, oh, you know how that is. You, you can't make your call. Yeah. And I picked it up and I looked at it and I just watched it dry just like instantly. I was like, whoa, it's, that's how dry it is. Yeah. Yeah. And something that you said earlier was um, whether or not, as good as what you'd want for a Ohio hunt, for example. And there was a day where Keith, Colin, and I were hunting in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I remember the night before, we were really considering picking up and moving <laughs> way away, like talking about driving multiple hours. Right. Because the weather was going to be a smidge better Somewhere in a up. different area. Right. 
and we had went back and forth on whether or not we should do it. But our next destination was the opposite way of where the better weather was. So it was like, if we stay here, we'll be closer to where we're going. So make the next hunt better. Yeah. yeah and I remember the confidence boost that I was, or the, the, you know, the thing I was saying to myself to keep my confidence up was, these turkeys are used to this weather. Right. They're at a high elevation. Right. And it, they're used to cold, rainy days. It was supposed to be like upper 30s, low 40s, and raining. Right. And we woke up and it was super windy, snowing, raining. And Colin shot a turkey that morning. <laughs> Thing hammered. I mean, just went crazy. I mean, he's gobbling the whole way right. in. So sometimes relating that to the situation too what are these critters used to like in your example that you use their snow right something that i've learned slowly but surely it's taken me a long time to trust it is that it doesn't matter which state you're in if you're in Merriam's country right. it might be snowing right but oh, it's yeah. still spring and they're still doing their thing they are they just are. the same as like we talk about with a whitetail rut in november if it's hot as all get out, there's still going to be bucks cruising. They may not be doing it as much or right. you may not be seeing, you know, as much as you would on a day that's 40 as a high. Right. But they still are going to do it. Sure. I sure. mean, the whole that whole season where I was talking about the Scarlet Oaks, that whole 10 days that Keith and I were hunting together, it was brutal. The hottest, driest <laughs> 10 days of November deer but, hunting i've ever had but they were but still, we still saw deer moving mm-hmm. we still saw bucks chasing does cruising mm-hmm. and i think that it's it's very easy to adopt the mentality that well it's not good i'm gonna stay home and that that really especially goes for if you don't have a bunch of time if you only got the weekend yeah you gotta go well, and we we've said this and i'm i say it here too okay there's a 50 percent chance running there's a 50% chance it's not going to rain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's going to be periods of time. We, we used to say this when we would have our, whatever, our five-day we- turkey weekend or whatever we were doing in Ohio with my buddies. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would just be like, oh, sp- it, spring is going to thunderstorm. But when you see it, you're like, oh, no. But then it's like, okay, it's 50% chance it's not going to do it. And then really it's true. Oh, yeah. You just go and you're driving out in the truck from camp and it's raining and, and you're, hot, you're going up in the rain and all of a sudden just – 8.30 or whatever, 20 minutes or half hour after daylight, oh, the sun's coming out mm-hmm. and the turkey's just, I mean, it's, it's, you just got to do it. When I, when I was hunting a lot with Keith and Colin that season, that was something that we practiced a lot was just get up and be ready because you never know when it's going to break. And it really paid off quite a bit Yeah, yeah. because you're looking at the weather and it's calling for pretty, pretty rough day. I mean, the one day that we did go out, it was really supposed to rain and we ended up getting one that day right and it was pretty gross to start but as the morning progressed it got a little bit better and a little bit better right. to where when we finally did get the one it was decent enough right so well, i think that that's a big part of well we had that rain i mean it was heavy rain on uh this last yeah, saturday yeah. afternoon just in the afternoon and remember when it quit and what we said about the, mm-hmm. the mule deer i mean we're like uh-oh like now we didn't run any turkeys that evening but soon as that rain quit, I mean, there were, I mean, we saw 200, 200 mule deer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was crazy. They were just every, everywhere you could see one. There was, they just were up and broke. The weather broke and they were there. And if you would have, I mean, I know it wasn't mule deer season, but if it would have been, that's when you wanted to be oh, there. Oh, yeah. Because they all got up at the same time. Well, do you remember um, 
the video I was just referencing this earlier the old like two week stretch Jake and I were hunting in Iowa and I was yeah. filming him and on day two we had a very similar situation to what we had this past weekend we had tons of rain and then it stopped and as soon as it stopped bucks were everywhere and we ended up stalking two bedded yep. bucks in the, the one yep. day right after that rain All right. and it's just crazy how situation switches like that and i mean think about it if just you like were, us yeah if you were sitting out there all day huddled up in your rain jacket under a uh-huh. tree where you weren't getting wet as soon as it stops you're like okay time to get up and go right i right. think especially I think, if it was right i mm-hmm. mean you would be like okay it's time to go right yeah yeah but yeah. i just also think that it's easy to get caught up in the norm and the trend and mm-hmm. you know don't get too caught up in the specifics just if you really love it and you want to go just go and mm-hmm. don't worry about so many specifics and i'm not saying i mean right. here we are having a hunting strategy podcast where we talk about these things all the time right but don't take what we're saying yeah. to heart go have your own experiences right. and build that experience right. level to where you have confidence on a day of rain or you you can use use that particular day to your advantage mm-hmm. there's the, a bad weather day good weather day it, all, it has an advantage there's something there you can use and the day it snowed i used the tracks the day that it you know if it's windy you can get right on top of them <laughs> yeah. you know it's uh whether it's deer turkey elk whatever uh they're just there's an advantage to every single thing yeah try not to make an excuse to yourself because as soon as you start making that excuse like oh i can't hear any turkeys because it's windy or i can't hear bugles because it's windy or you know it's 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 gonna rain too hard during the day but we all do it but you can't you you, we all tend to do it at some point yeah but just trying to think how can i use this to my advantage that certainly has helped me oh yeah thinking well this is my situation here's how i'm gonna play this and i think that that's a really easy thing to overlook and just get frustrated about. But, okay. you know, unless you have long periods of time, and I'm talking sometimes even multiple weeks of time, you can hit stretches where it's hot right? or it's raining right. or whatever. It's windy. You just mm-hmm. got to use that to your advantage. And, again, going in those time frames helps you know for the next time that, okay, this is that thing that works really well. Right. And I just often think about uh, – calm crunchy days in the timber Mm -hmm. that's something that a lot of times you'll hear people mention if i'm gonna be moving around or still hunt i want windy rainy and that has its advantages obviously right but i really like to hear stuff so if it's calm and crunchy get to a spot that you're confident in that you can move quietly but Use that to your advantage. Like you're gonna be able to hear a lot. Well, you. This is something again. You've taught me is that, like, you hunting on the ground and me starting to do it again. I mean, I did it when I was young, but I didn't. I wasn't. I mean, I did it. And I had some success, but one of the things I think about is we talk about this all the time. Like you're set up, you're watching, just glassing, and you and it's crunchy and it's silent, but you see three deer coming. And now we've. I mean, I think it's just such a simple thing, but when they're moving. You're moving because mm-hmm. they can't hear you. Right. I mean, they, they're, the noise they're making overrides the noise you're yeah. making. And yep. we've, I mean, it's so crazy. Such a basic concept, but I don't think most hunters get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, the thing you taught me, 
was crunchy, quiet, turkey hunting. Rich, you, I mean, I never, I never, you said, just do this. Walk, like one guy go 50 yards, turn around, look at the other guy, the other guy walk up and take turns listening. Oh my gosh. We heard, I bet we heard, you know, those distant gobbles. We heard them twice. I mean, maybe even. You and Rich. Yeah, we heard them. We got to th- talking about it later. We're like, I bet we heard five birds that we would have heard one. Yeah. Because we were, if we both walked together, we drowned each other's noise mm-hmm. out. And uh, we would just walk. The other guy listened. And by the time the other guy would turn around and stop and turn around, we're like, there's one up there. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you, you, it's splitting up. You're maximizing your you're range listening. that you can hear. Ask Colin sometime about uh, the story of him walking on the gravel beside me as we were walking out. Uh, Do you know that one? I don't I don't think so. We're walking out and he's walking beside me. Oh, and I'm and walking, walking in like the grass. Right off yeah. the edge of the yeah. gravel. You were doing it this weekend, I noticed. Yeah. What's that? I noticed you doing that this weekend. Walking bit. off the gravel. Yeah. But we're walking right beside each other and he I was mo- I'm mostly joking but but right. also making him I said it in a way that Make he him would think remember about it. it. Right. Well, he would remember it. And it's become this joke between him and us. But we're walking along, and he's standing right beside me, and he's just plowing that gravel. Like, every step, he's... Yeah. <laughs> and while we are walking out, and essentially the hunt is over, mm-hmm. as you and I both know from this past weekend, yeah. you know, when the hunt seems like it's over... It's not. It mm-hmm. may not be. And, again, maximizing listening time, I was walking beside him, and I'm trying to you know stay present outside of right here i'm still trying to listen his feet are turning that gravel and i just look at him and i'm like how do you even live with yourself <laughs> and he like you know he's he like just, what that just yeah you know burnt into his memory <laughs> now we now he always so now, well we just split up and uh-huh. we just did those little things to maximize and he's gotten so good too at recognizing little things about that too like i'm watching some of the elk hunting footage and he's hanging back or he's standing off to the side of the rest of the group to listen and it's it's fun to see though once you start to do those things and you have little experiences where it works out you're like man i gotta keep doing stuff like yeah, that. yeah and you've got a lot of listeners and i'm sure do all the stuff we're talking even better than oh, you yeah. and i do but yeah i think I mean, I'm talking to the guy that's remodeling our bathroom, mm-hmm. and he's hunts, he elks hunt, and he's oh, we're just we have no success, we're terrible, and then he's interested in going at turkey hunting, and and I told him that everybody wants to learn, like how do you get them? How do you call them in? Well, calling them in's part of it, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not. It's those things. That's mm-hmm. listening. It's not making, you know, not walking on the gravel, not understanding the scale, understanding the scale. It's knowing to get to the high point. It's X marks the spot. X marks the spot means we're looking at the train. And if where I shot the turkey this weekend, Mm -hmm. if we, if you were looking at that area and knew once we heard them, if you would have picked a spot out on the map because of the way the valleys ran (laughs) and the hill, we're like, this is the X. Uh And uh, it turned out X is the spot, but the X in his spot didn't get us the turkey. What got us the turkey was hearing him at the high spot, watching him a little bit, seeing the general direction, making a loop around, and then not giving up because it didn't work out as quickly as we thought. Being on the exit spot, not exposing ourselves, and then then your calling was kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that you said, not giving up, 
we hit a call right before we went into an opening, even though we were leaving, even right. though we had chalked it up essentially. Yeah, we chalked a, it up. We thought, loss. well, we're probably head to another area. Yep. Yeah. And we were like, well, let's get out. And we both hit that right where the trees end. Yeah, we're we back 20 stop. yards from the end and of we the don't, tree. And we don't talk about it even though we just stop. Uh, yeah. It's it's fun Com- when you get that same mentality with other I people. I think I did. Once too. we stopped, once we both stopped us, I think you should hit your call yeah, one more time. You did, you did say it, but we were yeah. both thinking it. Yeah, you know? yeah. But we both stopped. That's what I'm saying. Like, we just stopped because we know we probably shouldn't just walk right out in the wide open. You, you mentioned that about the guy that's remodeling the bathroom saying we never have any luck and i think that again one of the reasons that i like to do the podcast or have these conversations is not because i want people to take every single thing and Mm -hmm. just try to apply it and expect a result Mm -hmm. it's just showing so many different situations that little things it it really is the little things in hunting you know and maybe that's what this podcast ultimately is about it is it is little things in hunting are just like the hardest thing to explain and it's in uh, i tried it we were talking he's gonna he's hunted mostly rifle hunt he's gonna get a bow and i said he goes i'd like to really go elk hunting i said well you're looking at a year mm-hmm. so don't worry about this year mm-hmm. i said because in rifle you can go this year but for a bow you need at least a year i said you need to shoot thousands of times you need to learn how to tune your bow you learn how to you need to do all those things and i just explained you know all the things that you need to be able to mm-hmm. do before you even begin to start. And I said, I'll help you. I'll help mm-hmm. you learn all those things. I'll show you that your bow's out of tune. or I won't be able to tune it necessarily, but I'll say, hey, it's time to tune your bow. Mm-hmm. Your bow's not shooting an arrow right. Uh, but it's – and then I said, then all that. But we can start learning the woods part of it mm-hmm. in next month, this mm-hmm. week, next couple weekends from now. If you want to go hiking, I'll teach you the woods part. I'll mm-hmm. show you the – Things at that, least start. At, at least, least start. Your, at least get um, doesn't you started. mean, yeah. And I said, then you'll know if you like it. And if you don't like that part of it, you can still like hunting, but not as much. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I oh, think, yeah. I mean, if you don't like those little details and all the little things that you look at, all the sign, and even though that all makes you better, but if you don't enjoy it, then you probably don't like hunting as much as some people do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You just, you're never going to get... There's uh, as much out of it. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. because if you're just hunting like for a big buck or right. a big bull, or a, you just want to get another, just get one, or, and yeah, I'm just gonna get one. Yeah, it, it, it's we all do, mm-hmm. but it takes away from the experience of like all the stuff that's out there. You yeah, know, all right. the stuff that you then when you have the success with all those little things, it's much more. I got this this picture wall. It's like you pick you pick a specific picture and it's like you you could sit there and tell all the little details of what made that one fun. I remember when you sent me that. Mississippi? Yep. Yep. That that turkey, the details on that one were that was the first time that I had really done it in that fashion. It was right. like that morning we heard a turkey gobble, but like two or three times. Warb and I walked in there, found like a hen track, but it's like, well, this is about where we heard them. They're probably roosting right in here. Went back that afternoon, didn't hear him gobble, but heard him drum, hung with that drumming, and then right at, you know, I don't know, sunset, he gobbled in an owl and then gobbled at our call and came all the way in. And it's <laughs> just, you know, when when you look at 
that one or that turkey mm-hmm. or that turkey. They all have a different story and a different situation, a different condition or mm-hmm. – I, I mean – really look at all your hunting memories if you're listening to this and try to pick out those little things and that to me is what makes hunting fun but also really helps you have a better experience the next time as well and sometimes thinking not sometimes but also in this picture wall i don't necessarily see one right now but you got the ones that got away. Right. So you got a few here and there that are kind of hidden on there. They're actually mostly over there. So they're not on that one, on the ones you can see very well. But you put those there too to remember, you know, hey, this is what I could have learned from this situation. And yeah. I mean, I, I blew one, like I just told you, the weekend before. And I, I've always found them Easterns. They're so easy. The Toms, they're Toms, they're, um, Beards just sticks out like it's like you know first thing you look for is the beard and that's what they even tell you I mean, when you start hunting look for the beard don't shoot till you see the beard well last the weekend before last I uh, had that Tom come in come in from behind me and I did get spin around and there was a down tree and I had my gun on the turkey but Miriam's beards are so strange first they're real spindly in general I'm sure there's bigger ones but then they stick to their chest mm-hmm. and I just. I couldn't see. He didn't. He wasn't in stride. I couldn't see the full feathers, and and it's like you really need to study all those little details of what the side feathers look like mm-hmm. and everything too. Because I I probably could have tagged out the weekend before. Yeah. And, well, uh, and it's better you didn't. It is, but it's uh, it, it was funny. And then even when the tom came in, I mean, here's here's a perfect hunt this last, and we heard him gobbling. He's coming and he's coming right down through the open, and like look down. I'm ready to shoot him. Like. Is that a tom? Because he, I could see the beard. Uh-huh. I mean, the beard was so small in this top, and it was a two and a half. It, it was a full beard or full, uh, full of tail feathers. Beautiful, but his beard is so small. Yeah, oh yeah, it actually is too. The the absolute smallest turkey beard I've ever seen. The right. other one that I don't know if it's I still I don't know if I have it in here. Right. But I uh, I had shot one with Warb in wyoming one time this is my first miriam's mm-hmm. turkey and it it was the smallest beard i'd seen until the one you just shot i mean it really yeah it was funny it was well, the thing is friendly. i knew i i mean i was just trying not to shoot a jake yeah and it's all it was i mean i wasn't shooting a hen or anything yeah. but it was like even it was a male it. bird but i was like i want to shoot a jake or a tom not a jake mm-hmm. and yeah yeah so speaking of these uh mistakes something that you had brought up when we were actually walking out uh, right before, right before we struck the turkey, you brought up that story of seeing the buck bedded, and then oh, and yeah. one of my biggest this is, he talked we talked about this this weekend. They're like your biggest regrets in hunting, and uh, there's a couple stories we that have, pop into my mind of just being younger. Whether it was I mean no, that was this wasn't like that five or yeah six five or six years ago. ago. Just stuff that he is so mad about and always brings back <laughs> up. You know the stories that's. Uh, this, his his ones that got away, I remember them. But really you learn well. from them. But I learned. But I yeah. yeah. But I think that's the reason I think yeah. about them so yeah. much. So well, I I, uh, I was in a piece of public land in Ohio, uh, strip mines, and and my buddy had got there and he decided to go home. I think it was it was pretty rough hunting. I mean, uh-huh. we weren't seeing a whole lot. We were seeing a ton of people. Ton of people. He was burnt out on it. He was going in this really beautiful area with a bunch of small pines, kind of open, old strip mined, and then there was woods on the outsides of it. And he was going in there, and there was also people parked there walking in. And 
he decides to leave the day early, so I just stayed. I think you guys were, I don't know, Ben and, well, Ben and Keith came down, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, so I decided, I'm just going right where he was. So I go in where he was, but instead of walking straight down the same logging road everybody did, I decided right from the truck just to go straight up, straight up a hill and over the top and just go in a slightly different way because these guys have always said, hey, they sit and they watch those roads. So I get to the top. I'm just, I mean, I'm not 150 yards off the road. There's a big bowl to my left. And I, <laughs> I look clear across the bowl, like, I don't know, 500 yards. And I go, man, there's a dead deer laying over there. And there's a buck laying completely flat out with its breast all exposed, right in some really green grass with a bunch of pine trees, you know, short grass with pine trees all around him, just laying out flat like dead and uh, I was like man that's weird and I looked away and I probably looked away a minute I looked back and I'm like he's setting up he's not <laughs> dead he was just laying there sleeping uh-huh. and I think he just went flat out asleep mm-hmm. and I'm watching it and I'm watching him I'm watching him and I uh, decided this is a perfect stocking I'm checking the wind it's coming over the hill towards him I can get all I can drop back to the road run the road all the way back around come in and then crawl in anyhow i go in and i spend an enormous amount of time crawling 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 and the trees were all similar they were all this you know i don't know they had not immature about trees, the same age about trees. the same age trees and i'm in, i'm into the green patch he's in and you know i'm crawling but i'm staying low and there's just enough knoll and i just get there and i'm thinking he's gone dang he's gone and so I stand up. No, he wasn't gone. He was still there. And I was in the same patch with him at like. You were right there. Right there. Like, but the, I I just sort of just stayed there and assumed he was there and just kept glassing and glassing. And I think if I'd have glassed and maybe went up the hill another five feet, that would have just let me see this tip of, tip of his antlers, right? And I'm still so mad about it because I did. I did just exactly what I wanted to do, and then just right to just it. did up. all the work. Yeah. I did a hundred percent of the work, all the tough stuff, all that found him. Did all the hard stuff. Got. I mean, I still had to execute the shot and everything. But, yeah. But I was within 12, 15 yards of the. You spot. were there to where it would have been high all, odds of getting a shot. All I had to do was see him before he saw me, and then be patient enough to to get the shot. Yeah. You know, and uh, <laughs> oh, I'm still mad about that one. That was terrible. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hilarious, really, to think about all the times that others have done that. Too, oh, yeah. Right? Where, right. And it's funny, too, because you can do that, and I think you can have two results, or or two, um, not even results, but moving forward, how do you change that? Well, some people are like, I'm never doing that again. Right. Whatever. Right. I, it's I'm like, doing it again. Otherwise, yeah. it's like... I still... Well. That was still one of the best haunts, like, funnest things. I still I enjoyed it so much. It wasn't a huge buck. It wasn't... It's just a nice eight-pointer, two-and-a-half, three-and-a-half-year-old eight-pointer. But, uh, you know, even going back to being a little kid, my dad would always let me off. This is how dad let us hunt. He would... We gun hunted with my dad, and then I started bow hunting. But he would drop us off at my uncle's. He'd drop us off at this gate say i'll pick you up at this gate and we would just walk mm-hmm. until we saw a deer right and <laughs> you you heard me tell this one this is a huge mistake like yeah huge mistake muzzle loader mm-hmm. i go and i go and i walk i just walk i'm sure i just walk straight 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 get to the next logging road that goes to the left which comes off of a field I looked to my left and there's a bunch of does 
So I'm waiting for a buck. One, one doe, two does. Have my muscle letter on them. Three does, four does, five does, six does. And I think at the sixth though, I'm like, oh, there's no buck. Boom, missed the doe. And I'm terrible. I mean, I'm I'm not very old. And uh, so I'm standing there watching, and smoke's clearing, and the deer are all out in the woods running around, all the does. I load my gun, <laughs> making all this noise. <laughs> start walking down to make sure there's no blood as i stand there looking for no blood i hear something i turn to the right and there he's standing there looking at me just standing there looking at me just waiting for me to turn around this big buck just and of course by the time i got my gun around and he was in the trees and i couldn't even shoot and he went up straight up the hill and but my my point is i learned from that like bucks will literally stand there and let every other deer go and let hunters i've let Five hunters talking walk right past them, and it's it's. But the, you know you got to learn. You yeah. got to learn from it. And mm-hmm. that was a kid moment to learn. And uh, I've seen it happen since. I always say though too, and I, I, I don't know. You can kind of tell the character that will have the bad reaction though. Sure. The character. It's. I mean, it's the same. It's the same guy you play sports with that just like always has the excuse. Yeah. It's like. Well, you can have an excuse, but like at the end of the day, you made a mistake. I screwed up. Learn, learn from it, and move, right. and and learn from it, and be almost be proud of that mistake that you right. you had. You know, I think right. that's important. I really do. There's certain things. Okay, I see one right now. It comes to mind. Minnesota buck, the frozen release. Oh, jeez, buddy, you better <laughs> you better believe I learned from that. And like, everything did everything right. Everything had went right, and then all of a sudden, the release is frozen. Well, what do you learn? Next time you're in super cold weather, just make sure you have that thing on all, heat Working all it the all time. the time. All the time. Right. And working it, too. Just keep working it, checking silly it. Silly little things. And yeah. now, am I embarrassed about that? Absolutely. But can I make an excuse? You know, you can make an excuse and say, well, it's just so cold. Well, yeah, it was. But you also knew it was that cold, so you should have done something differently. I also they earlier, burn. They burn into your... If you really like hunting, it burns in so hard that you're like, I'm not doing that again. Yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. It's like why I picked on Colin that one well, time. Well, it's like we are talking, you could, you could be picked on because of the bow behind you. Yeah, and you rattle totally. the buck in. And, yep. I mean, you're like assuming it's not coming and yep. the bow's behind you and it comes right to you. And you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, you know? so there's like two reactions to that. It's like, yeah, I totally messed up. Should have had my, I don't know what I was doing and, you know, I learned from it. Or, well, he came in so fast. I didn't expect him to come in that fast. It's like, well. Yeah. You hope he does. Yeah, you were hoping he did. I, and I mean, not to say that we won't have those reactions sometimes as hunters. We're going to have that maybe initially at times. But when you really reflect back to it, just be happy that it happened. Be happy that you had the experience. And sometimes that's easier said than done. But, sure. you know, just being proud of the fact that you got yourself there. And know that because you got yourself there once, you'll be there again. Sure. And and I think having that confidence all the time, too, using that as confidence, well, I'll get there again. Sure. Because in the b- bow behind, which there is a snippet of him yeah, up there somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> uh, every time you have those experiences, it's easy to think that was my only opportunity. And as soon as you start moping about it, you miss another opportunity. Yeah, we talked about the very deal. first deer i ever shot with a bow mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i mean that morning i went out and uh, sat in a tree stand and it's such a long story he comes in i mean point blank 
I mean, I was shooting an old Darton wood-limbed bow and in a tree stand, and he come in on my left, and I don't know how far the shot was. I mean, it was close. I mean, stupidly close, like, I don't know. 10, I, I'm, I'm embarrassing. I don't know, 15 to 10. It could have been 7. I don't remember. And <laughs> it I probably sh- was 7. <laughs> and I shoot. Seemed pretty specific. And I miss. And I'm like, what the? I mean, who knows what I did? I could have. Arrow could have been on the restaurant. I mean, I was inexperienced. Mm-hmm. I could have had a my collar in my I don't know, but I miss. And the deer just runs and stands. I mean, he doesn't even run. He just pops and stands there and walks up through the woods. I'm so disgusted, right? I was mad. This is the critical part. I was done for the day. I got out, just walked straight out, got in the car, drove all the way to my um, mother and father-in-law's with my wife were there. And I get there. Of course, no cell phones back then. And there's a note on the door. (laughs) So we went shopping. They didn't leave a key, and the door's locked. And it's and it's raining this whole time, too. I mean, it was yeah. a pouring morning. I was in the rain. And uh, so I'm sitting there, a little mad, and I'm like, you know what? Might as well just go back. Yep. I mean, it was not What else are like, you going to do? What else am I going to do? I mean, they're going to sit here in the car, or I might as well just go back. They're going. They're shopping. So I drive all the way back. It's 18 miles. And this time I crawl. I mean, I go down the creek because it's daylight. I didn't go in in the dark, and I go and i spend all this time going in the creek with the rain and the water to keep my scent down mm-hmm. and in i your noise in my noise and walk right back up getting that tree stand <laughs> i'm not in that tree stand another 45 minutes and it starts pouring and i put my bow in my the old foot rest put my bow back in took the arrow off put in the quiver put my raincoat up was sitting there like this just like you took an arrow and put it in the quiver or you put it on the bow? I put it in the quiver. Oh, you just were arrow. You just didn't even have an arrow on. No, because it was raining so hard. That deer wasn't coming in. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there like this, just trying to stay dry, right? Like, put my, pull my, you know, you know how you can just sit oh, there with yeah. your hood up? And I look down, and I look it around, look it around there, and I look to my right, and I'm like, oh my God. There the buck was at five yards. Same buck. Same buck. Same exact buck. I know later, but. I'm standing, and I'm like, oh, my God. So he just starts, I'm like, oh, my God, there's my bow. I'm looking right at my bow and right at the buck. Without an arrow. Without an arrow. I did never know yeah. that part of the Of course, story. I shot release then, or uh, fingers then. And I, just like that, he starts walking, walks past me. I just grab my bow, put an arrow on, stood up, drilled him. Just perfect, like right here, right out through the chest. I mean, the biggest hole I've ever put in a deer. Yeah. And, well, he ran off, and, uh, and uh, so... You know, I'm all pumped, and I get down, and there's like a highway of blood to the deer, and I get it, and I, I mean, I'm sneaking. I, I guess side, side note, it is interesting because he hasn't mounted, which is in the basement, and you, there's actually a a stitch line on it where you can see where it came out on an angle. Yeah, and the taxidermist had to sew it back, and yeah. I remember as a kid always looking at that, but that's the exit wound. Yeah. So it just comes out right well, between came the out, front shoulders. Yeah, between the two front shoulders at an angle. And, I mean, the hole is this this long, mm-hmm. you know, that long. It also just goes to show, not to dive into it way too much, but more forward than what you think. There's yeah. a lot going on. There's a there. lot in the front. Yeah. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> so then I get up there, and obviously I start to feel the rest of the deer or whatever, and I look at his back, and there's a, just a perfect cut, like, a half inch cut on his back and hair gone. That's where I missed. I went right over his back. <laughs> so, so back to that again. That you know, there's so many lessons there. Is 
just because you think you spooked the deer, you didn't. You know, yeah. If it didn't smell you, you're probably all right. You, it, it's so many things that you learn. When it first happens, you're like, I just blew everything. You know. Make sure you're ready. If I'd have had another arrow, if I'd have been ready and trained myself to get another arrow out quick, I could have shot him after I missed him the first time. Really? He was a really dumb deer. Yeah, I mean, he, there were so many factors. It was yeah. raining real loud, and I'm sure he just thought a limb or something hit oh, him. Oh, yeah. Back. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, there's so many times where they don't know what's going on, but I also th- think the um, part about just not, you, did, you were forced to not give, give up, up. But, but it's a lesson now. But now like, you know, like, yeah, hey, maybe, maybe I should just stick it out. I mean, you know where I shot it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the deer probably ran right up to the flat where those, and then came back later looking yep. for does, yep. you know? Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap up now, but hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. We kind of went into it with this mentality that we were going to talk about the difference. And we, we started, did, but, it, but it ended up leading into kind of the little thing. So right. hopefully hunting in Colorado is different in many ways, but also the base hunting is the same. Yeah. And it's, it's just the little things. It's the little things. And uh, huh. yep. It all kind of comes around about back to just, you know, maybe... Maybe that is the difference is that there isn't much. I mean, there's subtle differences, but you still got to focus on those little details. And, mm-hmm. you know, also don't take anything. Don't take anything that we said too seriously. Nope. Don't. <laughs> Go Do your own experiences. thing. Do your own thing. Thanks for watching, guys. Thanks, guys. See you on the next one.